Hi, this is Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who have been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Diantha McLeod, pastor of the Cookville Parish of the United Methodist Church and founder and executive director of Healing Broken Vessels, which is a 501c3 nonprofit for women located in Lebanon, Tennessee. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Welcome, Diantha. Thank you. We're glad you're here. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, East Nashville, to be exact. Okay. On Cahal Avenue. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shout out to Cahal Avenue. Cahal Avenue, yeah. <laughs> Did you go to school there as well? Yes. I grew up in the 60s, and um, I went to Haynes Elementary School on Trinity Lane. During the 60s, you know, that was the civil rights movement. So everybody met at at the church where I was attending at that particular time and wanted to know if anybody wanted to go to the school in that that community. And Inglewood Elementary was the school. And it was seven of us who went to that school. We integrated that school. How were you received? Not well on that first day, of course. Okay. How old were you then, Diantha? I was nine. Okay. I was nine years old. I was in the third grade. And um, I was I was really excited about going. Well, we went in the front door, and, of course, everybody else went out the front door, and we went out to they closed school that day. Wow. But it was a very interesting time in my life. I'd never really experienced prejudice Mm-hmm. or any kind of biases because at that particular time I mean when you're nine you're you're very accepting of everything right but it was a crucial time in my life and I really didn't understand all of this until late 60s or maybe early 70s what really was going on do you remember how you felt when you realized what actually was happening during those very important times not only in your life mm-hmm. but our all of us, that collective history that we have together. I felt really sad. How can people judge you by the color of your skin yeah. when Jesus doesn't do that? Right. So, yeah, it was a it was a really crucial time. I mean, there were times that, like the lunch counter, the sit-ins. I remember I was, of course, too young to go, but my sisters, I have two older sisters, and we were sitting around the table one evening, and we were watching TV. My mom saw my two sisters on TV wow. <laughs> because they went to march, and I didn't. I didn't really understand why she was so upset. I thought, "Hey, it's cool. My sisters are doing something. Yeah, they're on TV. They were on TV. You know, right? But it was really. We all really didn't understand that we could have died. Right. I mean, we could have been thrown in jail. It was a lot of beatings during that time. But, you know, we we made it. So how can, and that's what I say all the time, how can I say that I hate you because of the color of your skin when God has called us to love everybody regardless? I love how that. How can I? So I'm intrigued to know how that experience of a nine-year-old innocent little girl walking into a school, integrating a school, might have shaped you to become a pastor of the Cookville Parish of the United (laughs) Methodist Church. 
that's a long story. But during that time, there was a teacher, I'll never forget her, Miss Ross. And we would always, we would have uh, games we would play and uh, all, all kind of, you know, where you had to hold hands and right. you had to be interactive with the other students. And a lot of the students didn't want to hold your hand or, you know, they'd stick out their finger mm-hmm. and all of those. And she, I remember she would come and maybe get in the middle of us and hold my hand and then she'd hold the other girl's hand. But, I mean, I couldn't understand. You know, I thought I was pretty cool, too. I mean, yeah. I didn't know why they didn't particularly care for me. But... um it just helped me to know that I, don't, I, I try not to look at color because, to me, it's not about that. I mean, we read messages in the Bible all the time where people are rejected because of their impoverished stage, right. their stage, uh, you know, situation. And then a lot of people who are poor, people walk all over them. I see homeless people. So how can we say that we're Christians? How can we say we love Jesus when we are passing by the people, the rejects, the sinners, the beggars, the thieves, all of that, when Jesus did the very same thing? Mm-hmm. If we're going to be imitators of Jesus, we need to be imitators. That's just the way I feel. Well, I tell know. us what a parish is. You're the pastor of the Cookville Parish. Is that a church? No. I have a three-point charge. Okay. okay. What's a three-point charge? A three-point charge in the United Methodist Church. It means that I am, a, I would say, I serve yes. three churches in the Caney District area okay. where I'm in Cookville. So, of course, this is the Cookville area. And, and the way the United Methodist Church is, we have districts. And the Caney District, the Caney Fork River District, is where I am assigned right now. I'm appointed to this district. And so my parish, I have uh, three. I have three churches. Three churches. So that makes you super pastor. No. (laughs) It just makes me, you know, what it does is it just says that I have three churches. (laughs) How do you juggle three churches? Well, one, with God's help. Yes. And then two, it's, I mean... How can I explain this? The first and third Sundays, I'm at Wright's Chapel in Cookville. Okay. The second and fourth Sunday, I'm at All Good. I mean, I'm at Burton's Chapel in All Good. Okay. And then I preach at Kynet every Sunday, and that's in Sparta. Okay. So after I preach one service, which is uh, we start at 945, I'm usually out of the first service by, I guess, about 1130. And then I go to Sparta. And we have service at 12 o'clock. Okay. So it works fine. I mean, it's, it seems like it might be tiring and really um, heavy. And sometimes, I mean, you know, it does get a little bit much. But the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. Philippians, what, 4, 13? Yes. yes. It's true. Because I can't do this on my own strength. Before the show, we were talking, and you mentioned that you feel very strongly about someone who has been called to ministry following that call with education. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on education? One of the things about education, and I and I believe, well, I know, I know it's because of my background. I came up 
um, I went to school and I did. I had some challenges in school because of, believe it or not, my color. For example, when we uh, integrated Inglewood, when I got to that school, they were multiplying and dividing and all of that mathematics. I had no clue. I was adding and subtracting. That's all I knew. And then I, I I was at Inglewood for two years, and then I moved uh, back to Haynes in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. Okay. Ninth grade, Haynes closed, so I had to go back to the school that I was that was in my community, which was Stratford. Okay. And I had a bad experience. Like I can't say it was so bad. It's like. I was cheerleader. I was captain of the cheerleader when okay. I was at Haynes. Okay. And I was very outgoing. I was popular. I was all of that. But when I got to Stratford, couldn't do that. My mm-hmm. grades fell. Yeah. It was like I didn't want to respond in class anymore. I really was. I mean, my grades failed. They, they really did. But I just didn't care anymore. I, I really didn't care until... I was voted homecoming queen. Oh, wow. That was a whole nother story. Well, that's quite a jump. (laughs) I didn't make it, though. But But I always thought education was important. So when I was called into the ministry, I believed that I should go to school and learn. So I did. I went to American Baptist College in Nashville, and then I got a, a master's at Vanderbilt. After a short break, more conversation with Reverend Diantha McLeod. I'm Dana Hornby, and this is The Calling, and we're speaking today with Diantha McLeod, pastor of the Cookville Parish and founder and executive director of Healing Broken Vessels. Diantha, I want to ask a question about Vanderbilt Divinity School. You mentioned that you got your Master's of Divinity there. Was there one particular class or one particular professor that has uh, made an impression on you? Yes. My professor and advisor was uh, Reverend Dr. Meek. And I would say he he was very good in what he did. I mean, he was United Methodist. But when I was going to Vanderbilt, I really didn't have a focus. I wasn't in the United Methodist Church at that particular time. Okay. And he pushed me. And, of course, at that particular time, I couldn't understand why. I had been called to preach, and preaching was all I wanted to do. I mean, I never thought about being a pastor, but he kept pushing me to do better and pushing me to to think about things in a theological way. Okay. Those things, I mean, I had never um, been exposed to anything like that, so I I still thank him today. And that's the Reverend Dr. Doug Meeks, is that correct? Yes, Reverend yes. Dr. Douglas yes. Meek. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's that's wonderful. Do you remember the call to preach and what that felt like when you realized this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Yes. After I had a an encounter with Jesus Christ on my walk to Emmaus. Oh wow. Yes. I I really didn't know what all of this meant. I mean, I had been baptized. I was in the church singing in the choir and doing all of those kind of activities. But I was going to um to the retreat 
uh, it's not a retreat to the walk to Emmaus. Okay. And there I'm, may be some listeners that that don't, don't know what that is. So maybe okay. tell us a little bit about what that is. Uh, walk to Emmaus is an experience, I would say, where you do meet Jesus. Okay. <laughs> you know, when Jesus um, arose and he was walking on the road and he was talking to the two right. be- beside him and uh, he explained all about uh, Jesus to them. And after he left, he said, didn't our hearts burn? You know, when he opened the scriptures to us, that's what happened to me. Oh, wow. That is what happened to me because, you know, you can read the Bible and you think you know the, you think you know it. And that's what I did. I had a message preached from John 316. This woman preached and I thought, well, I know that scripture. And, you know, I was quoting it. Right. I knew the scripture, but I did not know the Savior. Oh, wow. But I met him. And my life has never been the same. (laughs) Never. So that's why I say all of that to say I went back to my church and I wasn't comfortable. And I left my church and I joined the United Methodist Church where I felt really, you know, accepted and all of that. But I had this calling on my life and I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I really did think I was losing my mind. Oh, wow. I thought I was going crazy. I did. And at this particular time, I had left the church. I had left the United Methodist Church Uh because I just didn't understand what was going on with me. I finally realized that God has called me to preach. And I discovered this one day while I was working. I was writing a poem. I thought, well, God has called me to be a great poet. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought. And I was writing this poem, and I was just pouring out my heart to the Lord. And I was saying, I'll do what you want me to do. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'll preach if you want me to do preach. I'll, I'll proclaim your word. I'll do all of this. And I looked down and I just answered the calling. Wow. And I felt so relieved. I felt, I felt excited. I felt nervous because I'm a woman, you know, yes. I'm a woman, you know, yes. <laughs> but that's never stopped God from using me. Never, never stop. Because one of the things about this, if if you really are called by God, it's not just a yes, I'll do it. And everything is so lovely. You've got to experience the cross like Jesus did. We want the crown. We want the pearly white gates. We want the streets paved with gold. But to get to know Jesus and to be a part of Jesus You've got to go to the cross. You've got to look at the cross because at the cross, there is healing. But look at it. It's ridicule. It's rejection. It's despise. It's sin. It's all of that. And this experience has led you to found and operate as executive director Healing Broken Vessels. Yes. What is Healing Broken Vessels? <laughs> Healing Broken Vessels is a nonprofit, um, 501c3. It is located in Lebanon, Tennessee. We're uh, at 311 South College Street. I always wanted to do something. I wanted to have a center for women because women hurt. And I know men hurt too. But since I'm a woman and I have experienced some of those hurts, I just wanted to do something to help women. There was a lady who wrote a book, Inner Healing, for Broken Vessels. I met her, and I wanted, you know, I just wanted to do something. So 
that name came to me while I was driving to work one day, Healing Broken Vessels. And I wanted to just call her on the phone, tell her that I had finally, you know, pursued this dream of opening a center for women. And I was trying, I was Googling her and found out that she passed the same year. She was a minister. She was a a pastor in the United Methodist Church. So Healing Broken Vessels, it's not as, as like, you know, you would think it is. We don't claim to be a Christian organization. Okay. But uh, what we do is we help people, our women, use the computer. We teach uh, Microsoft Office. We have uh, career assessments. And we also have typing classes. And we just empower women just by giving them uh, skills that they do not think that they have. And we're in partnership with the National Council on Aging. These are women over 55 who... Society sometimes, you know, say you're too old to work. Right. So we give them an opportunity to come to the center and learn new skills so they can get jobs, too. About how many women are involved with your program at Healing Broken Vessels? Uh, we What we do is um, it's not so it's, it's a lot of people involved because we have a board of nine. Oh, wow. We have uh, several uh, volunteers who come and help out daily. And then, of course, when we have our fundraisers, we have different people in the community to come and volunteer as well. Okay. So it's a lot of people. I mean, Wilson County has really been good to healing broken vessels. Well, that's good they to have. know. Yes. And by the way, we have a fundraiser next week. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us about your fundraiser. It is uh, a fashion show. It is our 10th annual. It's, uh, it will be at College Hills Church of Christ okay. in Lebanon, Tennessee. The tickets are $20. And it's a fashion show. Some of the models will be the ladies who have gone through the program. We have a grace program at Healing Broken Vessels. It's a five-week program. Some of those people will be modeling. Some of the people in the community, some people that we have been in touch with for years. I mean, people from all over. So men, women, boys, girls. I mean, it's everybody, anybody who wants to come. And we'll have a, a great meal uh, authentic Jamaican meal. Oh, yum. <laughs> yes. Will the good Reverend Diantha McLeod be modeling that day? I know. I think I'm going to sit down that day. <laughs> and enjoy the Jamaican food. And enjoy. And, you know, what I what I do is I just try to keep everything going because we'll have a silent auction. We'll have, we'll sell tickets there. We'll have models there who will be getting makeup and hair and oh, all wow. of that. That's quite an event. It really is. It's our only one. It starts at two and it ends at four. I'm Dana Hornby and you're listening to The Calling. Our guest today is Reverend Diantha McLeod and she would like to share a motivational moment. You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew six twenty five not to worry about anything and then in Matthew six thirty three it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all is his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. One of the things that I see uh, now is people are facing their enemies, which is fear, worry, or doubt. But I'm just here to tell you that if God takes care of a little bird, a little sparrow, and that's what it says in Matthew six twenty five that that sparrow doesn't want for anything. God feeds that little bird. It also says that God 
has a place for that bird to live. The same thing with us. God loves us more than a little sparrow. One day God gave me this image that he said, Diantha, have you ever seen a bird in Kroger? And I said, no, I haven't. But yet I feed him. He says, have you ever gone to Home Depot and seen a bird pushing a cart? I said, no, I haven't. He said, but yet I have a place for that little bird to live. So God says, your life is worth more than a little sparrow. And this is how much I love you. There's no need for you to worry about anything, but just seek me in everything. I pray that that blesses someone. Just have faith in the Lord. Have that unshakable, unwavering faith, even when you don't have all the answers, because when you pray to God and you trust in God, you can praise God. God will deliver you out of any situation. God bless you. We typically end our show with the top five questions. It's like a lightning round. I just ask quickly and you respond. Uh-oh. Okay. You get to plead the fifth okay. on one of those questions. Just one. Just one. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. What's on your playlist? What's well, on my playlist? Yes, ma'am. Song. Okay. Uh, a song. What song? God favored <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Okay. I don't know that song. I'm who not going to sing it. Who sings that? I'm not going to sing it. Do you know the artist? No? Next okay. question. All right. <laughs> if there were a gag reel of your life, what would be on it? <laughs> a gag reel. Oh, my gosh. Uh, questions, questions. I can't think of the answer. Uh, gag, gag, gag. Oh, my goodness. You can play the fifth. But see, I don't know what's going to be next. I know, and they're good. They are good. They are really good. Gag, gag. <laughs> I cannot believe I am clueless. I plead the fifth. Okay. If you were arrested for a crime, what would your family say that crime would be? I've already had one pass. That crime would be protesting. Oh, okay. I would be advocating. Okay. Maybe yes. a little too rowdy or yes. like where I, you shouldn't be standing yes. or something like that. Yes. Because yes. we want you to speak your truth, sister. Yes, yes. and I will. Okay. <laughs> okay. If there were a movie of your life, who would you want to play the leading role of Diantha McLeod? Of course, Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last question. What is the cleanest joke? You know. The cleanest joke I know. Mary had a little lamb. I bet the doctor was surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're here today with Reverend Diantha McLeod. Thank you, Diantha, for sharing your story of your calling with us here today on The Calling. Thank you.